Hey, this is Craig Valentine from TurbulenceTrain.com, and I'm here with a good friend of mine. His name is John Elvino, and I've known John for a couple years now, but back when the last time I saw him, which was a couple of summers ago now, when we were working out down in Chicago, he was uh, he was still a meat eater like myself, and now he's uh, got some vegetarian fat loss programs that he's helping people with. And, and John, have you are you basically vegetarian now? Yes, I've been completely vegetarian now for for close to a year. Uh, okay. Prior to prior to making the complete transition, I cut out one thing at a time. Like the first thing I cut out was red meat, then I cut out chicken and uh, turkey, and then I cut out fish. Okay. So now I'm a, I'm a complete vegetarian, but there was a, a process before I got to this point. Uh, any reason to to use that process, or did you just actually wanna... believe it or not? Craig, it was all—it was all fear. I mean, I was—I've been—I've uh, been bodybuilding and, and and strength training for you know close to 20 years now, and the mantra that just been pounded in my head was, "You need—you need protein in every meal. You need protein in every meal." So it was difficult for me to let go of those old beliefs I had, and uh, that was the only way I could really do it without kind of being uh, just panicked that I was gonna, you know, lose all my muscle and gain fat. And uh, every other health require every other he- like health benefit that you get from protein, I, w- I didn't want to see that erode quickly. So it was more of you, a, it was more fear. Do you eat uh, any dairy products or eggs or anything? Um, I haven't. I don't really eat dairy unless and I'm, I'm sure that you and uh, your listeners cheat once in a while as well. But if it's a cheap meal, if I'm watching the Super Bowl, we get pizza. Like I'll, I will have some cheese, but it's not it's not a regular part of my diet anymore. Okay, cool. All right, so. You know, people that have been reading my stuff and listening to me, they've, they've, I haven't gone completely vegetarian, but what I do is I do eat a lot of fruits and vegetables and raw nuts, and I also, um, you know, I'll probably eat meat once every couple of days when I'm at home. When I travel on the road, then I'll probably eat meat more frequently, and, and I eat uh, dairy and eggs. So, you know, someone who sees my stuff and sees all the fruits and vegetables, they're, they're cool with that, but... You know, if they're a vegetarian and they see me talking about eating eggs for breakfast or having, uh, you know, chocolate milk after my workout or having, you know, chicken at dinner time, then, you know, they're confused and they're, they're not sure. You know, they're in the same situation that you were, John. So let's go through each meal of the day and talk about protein substitution. So let's start with breakfast. Let's say, you know, someone is eating eggs right now or egg whites or whatever for breakfast. What are some of the protein uh, substitutions that a vegetarian meal plan would use? Okay, I like to make a, a distinction. Some veg- There's different types of vegetarians, as you know, Craig. So some vegetarians do include eggs and dairy. And uh, when they take it the next step, it becomes a vegan diet, and that's when they cut both of those two food sources out of their diet. So for breakfast, there are, there are many options, but... I'll give you a few that your uh, your listeners could start with right away. For a protein source for breakfast, the, the, you know any type of fitness or, or nutritional expert usually recommends eggs, egg whites, or a dairy-based protein shake. Sure. So vegans have options where if they wanted to, they could have a protein shake because I've had great success using protein shakes or powder mixes from rice, from yellow peas, which is the same type of pea that they make like split pea soup with. It's very high in protein, very good quality, and a very good amino acid profile. And you could ha- also have hemp protein, which has an excellent amino acid profile. 
So for breakfast, you could simply, if if you were a busy, you know, busy uh, guy or gal working in the morning, want to have something quick, you can make a smoothie. You could use coconut milk, and which tastes delicious. Put a little bit of rice protein powder in there and some fresh fruit. You could blend it up. You have a, a, a vegan meal, high in protein, high in fiber, high in antioxidants, and I and you're out you're out the door in a minute. So that's one option that I. I give to people who are, are busy or just some people aren't even hungry in the morning, but they know, they understand the importance of getting breakfast. So you can make a smoothie. And then you have a 100 different varieties of smoothies you can make. You could add flax oil if you want it to have your essential fatty acids right in your shake. You could add different type of nuts and seeds. And uh, you could even add some coconut oil if you wanted to get a little bit of saturated fat, which vegans typically don't get any saturated fat, so... That's the one diet. That's the one type of diet that I do recommend a little coconut oil on, and it makes the, the smoothie taste delicious too. So that would be one option. Another option, if you have a bowl of oatmeal, oatmeal itself is a, is a high protein grain. So every half of a cup measured uncooked will give you five grams of protein. Now the problem with protein from grains is it does lack some of the essential amino acids, and the one that I'll talk about specifically would be lysine. So it's not a complete protein. It's missing an amino acid. It won't be utilized as well as a meat source of protein. So what we could do to balance that, we can add soy milk to your oatmeal. And for those that are interested in fat loss, I would definitely recommend a plain soy milk because they do make flavored ones and uh, they, they add a lot of sugar to them, which makes it you know, less desirable for fat loss. So oatmeal and soy milk, you could, and you could put um, some walnuts, crushed walnuts on top. Um, another option that people love, you could get some uh, organic peanut butter, natural peanut butter, you could, that, which has protein in it. You could spread that on an apple and have a, like a rice protein shake on the side. So there's many, there's many options. You could just start combining a bunch of different, a, a bunch of different foods to create superior sources of protein that are very healthy, high fiber, and also conducive to a fat loss protocol. Okay. Now, you talked about in our, in our previous email that to avoid too many soy foods. So, you know, how much soy in a day, you know, are you recommending just, you know, maybe a bit of soy milk for breakfast and then you probably won't use it too much else during the day? Yeah, actually, well, this is, an, this is another very interesting topic. It's something I have experimented with uh, quite a bit, and I've done a, a bunch of research on it. Uh, soy... In some people's eyes, it's something that should be avoided altogether, and there's the flip side of the spectrum where people say, eat it all the time. There's proponents of it. So after I looked at all the research, it, soy does not, which is, it is blamed, it, it is blamed and accused of this, it does not decrease testosterone levels. However, it does increase estrogen levels. So your testosterone levels remain the same, and I've, I've had this confirmed with, with, uh, with blood results as well. And your estrogen level will come up slightly if you have excessive amounts. And by excessive amounts, anything more than one serving a day. So if you want to have eight ounces of soy milk and nothing, no other soy for the, you know, the rest of the day, that would be okay. If you skipped on the soy milk and let's say you had almond milk or rice milk, then you could have for lunch, let's say you could have a, uh, they do have soy, soy-based burgers, like a Boca burger, for example. So one serving a day is max. Okay, and cool. Yep, okay. That's, no, that's great. That's great because I just wanted to clear it up. You know, people might have been 
confused by the email and then and then your mention there of the soy milk. So that's cool. I have a couple of questions. Um, you know, how many shakes do you generally use per day for to get your protein? Uh, you know, from uh, vegetable sources. I like are people going to be doing six shakes I'd, a day or just a couple or one? I take I take two every day, and okay. I found that shakes on a, on a vegan diet. Shakes are a great way to get. It satisfies the sweet tooth. They they taste delicious now. They've come a long way. The the, the vegan uh, protein sources have come a long way, and they give you a, a, a high dose of protein. Most of these vegan powders now contain over eighty percent protein, so they're uh, they're high high protein, low carbohydrate, low fat, and you can mix them. You can mix your essential fatty acids right into them. Your uh, if you want to put flax seeds, fresh fruits, and by mixing by mixing foods right in there, you have a complete meal, so it becomes a meal replacement. So mid-morning and mid-afternoon, I find that to be best. So two shakes a day works best for me, and many of my clients have uh, had great success with that as well. Okay, and then how much protein overall? Like when you're, you know, if you're working with some uh, someone, and let's say a guy who's like 170 pounds, and he's not, you know, obese, he's he's like maybe 15% body fat. How many grams of protein are you generally recommending for him? You know, considering he wants, he's maybe at fifteen percent, wants to get to ten percent fat. Okay, well, I usually recommend one gram of protein per pound of lean body weight when on a vegan diet. Okay. If you're on a meat-based diet, that ratio will be slightly different. Um, the, the only the problem is a lot of ve- uh, vegetarian or vegan foods or protein sources they do have carbohydrates with them. So your carbohydrate count goes up a little bit more on paper, Craig. But the good thing is the reality is a lot of that carbohydrate that you find as lentils and legumes and beans comes from fiber. So the fiber is not digested like regular carbohydrates. Like people kind of panic and say, "Oh my God, there's, there's, there's a lot of carbs in this in this bowl of lentils. I shouldn't eat it." A lot of that carb, a lot of those carbohydrates come from fiber, which, if it's especially soluble fiber, which helps the, the fat loss process. It lowers the glycemic index of foods. It helps with your hunger as well. So if you eat a high-fiber diet, you're not going to get hungry. You're not going to have the hunger pangs, which leads to cheating. So if you shoot for one gram per pound of lean body weight, your protein requirement is covered, and the, the, the small amount of additional carbohydrates that you get from those sources are, should not be a concern at all. Very well said, just like a true guy from New Jersey. Now, the question uh, that that brings up then is, how does that change for meat? Does that mean people that eat meat need less protein or more protein in your eyes? I'm not, I'm not understanding the question, Greg. You, you said the ratios would be different for someone that's a meat eater. Yes. You know, that, would it still be just one gram per pound of lean body mass if you eat meat, or would it change? For, for meat eaters, when they're on fat loss plans, yeah. and specifically if they, if they try to do a low-carbohydrate regimen, uh-huh. Their protein ratios would be slightly higher, okay, and their, their but their fiber would be lower. So it's a little bit of a trade-off. Yeah, so you're gonna have a little bit less carbohydrates, but you're gonna have a little bit less fiber. So it, it's not necessarily better or worse. It's just it's just a little bit different. It's it's a trade-off. You have some benefits on one that you don't have on the other, and vice versa in that regards. So so someone that's on a that's a vegan, I mean, they could not conceivably be on a low carbohydrate diet not possible, right? Well, you can be on a, a, a low to moderate carbohydrate diet, 
but and I've I've been uh, you've been on a lot of shakes then, right? That's yeah. I've been trying every possible option to see because I have found that diets that are on the uh, lower not I don't like zero carb diets, but lower carbohydrate diets do yield better fat loss results than high carbohydrate diets. Yeah. So as I've been as I've been experimenting for the last couple of years with the vegetarian and the vegan meal plans, I found that the only way to have a real low carb, almost ketogenic low carb diet while following a vegan plan is to consume a lot of shakes and a lot of these like oils. Like so you could have shakes with flax oil, you could have salads with a lot of olive oil, you could have coconut oil. So it becomes a it becomes a high fat and high shake diet. Sure. And it could be done short term, but for, for long term health, I don't think it's the best way to eat. So I, I rarely recommend that that protocol. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I was going to ask you, uh, fish oils. What's the substitution there? Just more flax. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what I do. Um, fish oils, omega three fatty acid rich, and uh, linoleic acid that you lose there, you could get in an alpha linoleic uh, acid form from flax oil. And uh, walnuts and other nuts and seeds are also high. You know, in the um, in the in a similar fatty acid. So I found just by making that simple substitution, we we didn't lose anything in regards to uh, the, the speed of, or the or the, uh, the the fat loss results. That's not a one to one switch, though. That means you have to have more of the uh, flax. Well, flax oil is a little bit. It's a little bit different. The body there's something called the delta six desaturase enzyme in the body. That enzyme has to convert flax into the same form of like, with the form of fat that you find in fish oil. Right. So, I find that anybody who's in good health seems to be able to make that conversion pretty well. You'd have to have a deficiency in that enzyme to really lose something from going from the fish to the flax. And most people, especially from younger flax people, to fish. Right. I'm sorry. You said from fish to flax. You meant flax to fish. Yes, I did. I'm sorry. Okay. That's correct. All right, that's cool. Um, I don't want to spend too much time. I know you got to go. So let's do this too quickly. Um, High-protein surprises. You mentioned oatmeal there. I know bread's probably worth five grams per serving of protein. What other high-protein vegetarian surprises are there, if you can think of any? Uh, well, lentils are, are typically considered a carbohydrate source. If you look at any you know nutritional expert that, that uh, advocates a meat-based diet. Yep. But lentils have they're they're jam-packed with a great quality protein, very good amino acid pro- profile and very high fiber. So lentils, uh, soybeans is a little bit more obvious. Uh seitan is is a very good it's a, a wheat gluten product. Very very 3 ounces of it has over 30 grams of protein. So um it almost has it has as much protein per per weight as a uh like a chicken breast would. That's, yeah, I had, uh, that with, I had that with Jay in um, in New York. We went to Blossom or something. You've been oh, there, Blossom's right? my favorite place, man. Yeah, it, it was good, but um, it's certainly an acquired taste. It is, and a lot of a lot of these things, the first time you taste them, if you're comparing them to foods that you ate prior, it's just different, so you're not used to it. But it, it only took me a few weeks to uh, my taste buds were completely completely like adapted to it. And uh, say then you can make. You can make any type of dish that you can make chicken or veal with, and it, it will it tastes delicious once you acquire that taste. Yeah, and, and you spell that what S E I T A N? Is it, that correct? Yes, exactly. S E I T A N. And is there any concern with eating, you know, wheat gluten? Like, obviously, you know, that's a big yes, thing. Yes, 
Wheat gluten, I, I don't typically uh, recommend it as I have. Whenever I design a diet, I usually have an A list, a B list, and a C list. I would put seitan on like the B list, which means you could have it once or twice a week. Don't make it part of your daily regimen. And uh, I'll briefly tell tell you why. The uh, it's from wheat gluten, so it's a wheat-based product. When you consume high amounts of wheat, it's been shown to have an inflammatory effect in the body. So uh, joint inflammation, and it could exacerbate any other inflammatory. Like if you had uh, any type of skin inflammatory disease or condition, it can exacerbate it. So especially for people who are involved in fitness that are working out all the time, we don't need any additional joint inflammation. We're going to do enough during our training. So I like to keep that to a minimum. And also, high amounts of wheat have also been shown to increase estrogen in the body. High amounts of estrogen in the body slow down fat loss, and in some cases could stop it altogether. So it's not a, it's not the best food. It's just a good alternative because if you eat a real natural vegan diet and you're just eating you know basically bowls of beans and grains and fruits and vegetables, once in a while it's nice to have a complete change, and it's almost like a treat. Like you can make like seitan scallopini, and it's, a, it's something completely different. And if it's if it's eaten in low low frequency and in relatively low quantities, it does not pose a problem. Okay, great. So we pretty much covered um, most protein sources. Is there anything missing out, you know, people at lunch that, uh, you know, need some type of protein source? You know, we've covered I mean, there's all those types of nut spreads. You know, we covered the seitan. We covered, um, you know, some of the lentils. Is there anything else we're missing just in terms of protein sources that we haven't talked about that people could use for lunch or dinner? Sure. I, I like for lunch, I, I commonly recommend uh, a, a big garden salad with chickpeas on it. So chickpeas, again, is a very good source, very good source of protein. Uh, very easy. You could buy, you don't have to cook them. You could buy them canned. They come organic and low sodium now. You just rinse them off. You could put them on your salad, and uh, that gives you a very good option for lunch. Also, if you had... If you had any t- whatever your lunch was, if you wanted to add quality protein to it, you could have vegetables on the side that you dip in hummus. Uh, hummus can be made from chickpeas, like I just mentioned. It could also be made from uh, from black beans and other beans. You could almost have a dip on the side, which appears to be more of like a condiment, but it actually it increases the uh, the protein score of that meal. Cool. I actually just before this call had. Chipotle hummus that I got from a, a local. Oh, nice! Yeah, it was it was good. It had a nice little kick to it. And then uh, after this call, I'm going to make some almond butter sandwiches. So the last question I have for you um, just came to my mind is for people that really like cheese, what kind of you know that want to do the vegan thing? What kind of cheese alternatives have you come across that you know I can imagine that some of them are stuffed with a lot of uh, too much sodium or sugar or you know garbage ingredients. Have you come across anything that is high-quality replacement for cheese? Yeah, the cheese, they, they do make rice cheese from rice milk. Uh, they also make uh, soy cheese. That's probably the most common that you could find alternative. With both of these, though, they do add, most brands add a little bit of casein. So they consider them vegan foods because it's just a trace amount, but they do add just a drop of casein in there. So if you had a, a real... Uh, like severe dairy allergy, or you really want it to be 100% about cutting out all dairy, these would be a good option, but probably not the best that you would be able to do. 
they have um if you go to a Whole Foods or a specialty store, they do make some cheeses that are pre sliced that don't contain the casein, but they have like a real plasticky type of feel. So I haven't found anything great yet. They don't taste very good. Um but as soon as I find out I'll be sure to I'll be sure to let you know. 'Cause I'm I'm in I'm in search of that myself because that's something that a lot of people they they don't want to cut out because they do enjoy it on so many different foods. Yeah, very cool. All right, last question, very quick. What protein powder uh brands do you recommend for the rice protein, the pea protein, and the hemp? The uh the rice protein there's a company called Nutribiotic. They make one that's from uh from brown rice. It's it's over 80% protein, so 80% of the weight comes from protein. And I think it has about about 12 or 13 grams of protein per heaping tablespoon and like less than a, a half a gram of fat and about one gram of carb. That's a pretty good brand. Nutribiotic is pretty easy to find. It has no flavor. It has no sweetener. So it's, it's a very plain-tasting product, but it tastes, it tastes great when you mix it. If you put you know berries in there and you have a coconut milk, it, it tastes delicious. For uh, for pea protein, there's a company called Pure Advantage, and they make a flavor mint chocolate chip, which tastes very good. Some of the other pea proteins have it, it has a you could tell it's pea it has like a little bit of a pea aftertaste. They were able to mask it pretty good with the mint chocolate chip flavor. And uh, again, that company is called Pure Advantage. And for hemp. I've been shopping around. There's a lot of, there's a, a ton. If you go to any health food store, there's a ton of hemp products now. And I haven't found one to be any better than the other. Um, hemp does have a, a little bit of a grass taste. And what I'm saying that, I mean, when you, if you mix it with water, it'll have a little bit of like, a, almost like an earthy grass taste. So a lot of companies dump a ton of, um, of sugar into the hemp products. So those those you want to avoid. I'm going to pull up right now. Give me one second. I found one recently that had only about half the sugar of the other ones. If you could just bear with me one second, Craig. Yeah, no problem. I mean, that's very interesting stuff. And, and, you know, if they're flavored properly and you say that they don't have the any negative side, you know, side effects being bad taste, then, you know, a lot of people should consider these even if they're using uh, whey protein. And, uh, you know, because a lot of commercially available whey proteins are getting more expensive and also, you know, just some of them are not high quality. So very good to have some alternatives here. That's true. That is definitely true. And another thing about hemp protein, I like to have an organic hemp protein because it's easy to find many products that are organic now. But hemp protein, if it's not organic, since it's not really... It's not really considered like a, a food source. It's not really regulated. I don't want to have a high dose of a concentrated protein from a crop that's been sprayed, and especially we don't know what it's being sprayed with because it is a little bit it is a little bit of a gray area. So, the company it's spelled N U T I V A, Nutiva, organic hemp protein powder, and this one it doesn't taste bad. And what I like to do with it, I'll just add, I'll, I'm just gonna, I'll, we'll leave off on this, is I usually don't have a full shake of just hemp. Hemp has great beneficial fats. The, the fats in hemp are very close to the uh, the fats that are in flax, except they're even more balanced, the omega-3s to the 6s and to the 9s. 
So it has great protein, and I find all you have to do is add a tablespoon of the hemp to either the rice or the pea protein to really boost up the protein quality. And I, when I had clients start doing that, some of them even recovered. They were that some of them even reported that they were recovering better from it. So you don't necessarily have to drink a big shake of hemp. It's a great addition to one of the other two proteins. All right. Very cool. Very cool. So, John, thank you very much for this information. This is one of the um, probably one of the most interesting interviews I've done because a lot of this stuff is is new to me and a lot will be new to our listeners. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll talk to you soon, John. For everybody, I just recommend that you visit John's website and check out his vegetarian meal plans for people that want to lose body fat without eating animal products. So thanks again, John, and we'll talk to you soon, everybody. This is Craig Valentine from TurbulenceTraining.com.